Well, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2 today, verses 6 through 7. Um, these two verses are, are a couple of verses that are very close uh, to my heart regarding you and, and my hope and my prayer uh, for during your time in junior high. And so we're going to be in the second chapter looking at a message today entitled, Walk in Him. Uh, we have some guided notes prepared for you, and so uh, if that will help you take notes, and we want you guys to be able to do that. Um, and so those, those are there for your, your kind of training. Uh, we want to teach you, well, how do you even take Bible notes? Well, uh, these guided notes will kind of show you what kind of things to write down and to take special note of. And so Colossians chapter 2. Uh, do you guys ever think about driving in your future much? I know when I was your guys' age and, and then early high school, I just dreamt about like freedom, right? Being able to drive one day and it just sounded awesome. I always loved going to like K1, uh, you know, like go-karts and things like that. And just was like, you know, it was all, I loved playing racing games. I just wanted to drive. And, and trust me, when you start to drive, like it is really that awesome. And it's still that awesome now after how we're 10 years of driving. Um, but you guys ever think about like a car that you want in the future one day? Like a reasonable car. What's like a car that's like, you know, I mean, of course, a you know Lamborghini and things like that would be pretty sweet, but like an attainable dream car. What like what kind of things come to mind? Audrey, Honda. Okay, any like specific kind of Honda? You're like I'm just good with anything. Just give me a Honda. Okay, yep. Okay, like a Bel Air. That'd be cool. Okay, for sure, old fifties car. Yeah, Tesla. Tesla. That's yeah. Those are and now they're attainable, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. A tank. A, a tank. That, uh, okay. All right. That's, that's debatable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what you want. Black Chevy Trail Boss. Let's go. Silverado. That's awesome. Yeah. Red Mercedes. Okay. So I want you guys to think whatever you're, what is, what is that car that man, you, you could see yourself driving in one day and imagine this, imagine a scenario where you turn 16 and your parents surprise you. They got you that car and it's sitting in your driveway. And it's like, oh man, they hand you the keys and, uh, and rather than, than getting in this car that you've been dreaming and thinking about, you take your mom's minivan keys and you instead take that out for a drive. That would be absurd, right? The, the car of your dreams, this gift that your parents got for you, you should get in the car, get in the driver's seat, pull that thing in reverse, get back it out of the driveway and go, go on a joyride, Right? Uh, and that's an absurd thing to think about if, if you had this thing, but then not use it and then not to use it. And for so many though, in a similar way, this can be the spiritual reality in someone's life that they have received the greatest gift better than any car known to man. Uh, they've received the forgiveness of sins. Uh, God has entered their life. They are given the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that for the, the Christian, they have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yet sometimes, though someone has received that, their life doesn't really show it. In a sense, it has sat in the driveway and has never really been taken out for a spin. You know, there may be some of you that you've received Christ in your life at some point, maybe at a very young age. But the question today is, have you stepped into your walk with him? Have you actually gotten, in a sense, the driver's seat and, and took it out for a spin? Or, or has it been this commitment, but no follow through? That's really the topic of today. Because it's not only important that we receive Christ, 
But then after we do that, that we walk in him. Sometimes people are so focused on conversions, which we, wanna, we want souls to be saved, right? We want souls to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But what comes after that? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so why don't you stand with, stand with me today as we read Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to stand for the reading of God's word, and we do this out of respect and reverence for God who is speaking to us. Uh, if we really believe that the Bible is the word of God, then we should treat it as such. And uh, kind of like if you were with us last week, uh, we do this uh, in light of, you know, how, how if, if royalty or someone of prominence entered the room, then we would stand in honor of them. And so we do this to stand in honor of God, knowing that it's his word that we're talking about today. Okay, it's no man's message. Uh, it's God's message to us. All right. So let's read Colossians chapter two. I'm gonna read it out to you and you can follow along in your own head and heart. Colossians chapter two, look at verse six. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Well, Father in heaven, we take this moment to, to ask that you would speak to us through your word, uh, that you would change our lives, that we might be more like you, that we would be the boys and the girls and the men and the women that you want us to be and to become. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, you may be seated. Uh, really just two simple verses, right? We read through them uh, rather quickly, but we're going to dive in and kind of break this up a little. And there's really two words that I want to give you today. And if you're taking notes, uh, the first word is the word receive. And we find this in the first part of the, of the verse that we just read a moment ago in verse 6. Uh, you'll notice on the screen it will say 6a. Uh, that is because it is only the first part that we're first going to look at. Uh, we'll save 6, what do you think comes after? 6b. Uh, for our next word. And so I want to talk to you about what it, what it means to receive. Now, the verse here, look back at your Bible. So you should have your Bibles on, on one side of your lap, maybe notes on the other, or maybe because uh, you don't have a notebook, you're taking notes on your Bible. That's certainly okay. But look back at your Bible and look at verse six. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Is that in past present or future tense, that statement? What do you guys think? Past, right? And how do you know that? What, what gives you that, that little key? How do you know it's past? Received, right? With the, it doesn't say receive, it says received, right? And so it's past tense. That, that Paul's writing to these Colossians under the assumption that they have at a certain point in time received Christ Jesus the Lord, that this was a fixed point in time that they had received the Lord. And he's about to tell them, so walk in him. If you've received him, then walk in him. And he makes an important distinction because they are two different things. To walk in him, which is that title of the message and will be our second point for today, is separate and distinct from receiving him. And this is foundational that we understand this today. Receive. That, that there is a fixed point in time that Paul is assuming that these 
Colossians, who he is writing to, these people, okay, Colossians is the idea of like Californians. They're from a city called Colossi. That's why the letter is called Colossians. Just like for us, if, we, if someone wrote us a letter, it would be to the Californians because we live in where? California, okay? And he's writing to them under this assumption that there is this, that, that this is a past event in their life. And this is the first step uh, to a relationship with Jesus is to receive him. John chapter one, verse 11 and 12, you can note it down. John uses this same word, receive or received, that same Greek word he uses in the first gospel of, uh, first chapter of his gospel in John chapter one, verse 11 and 12. And it says that he, being Jesus, Jesus came to his own, he came to his own and his own did not, what does it say? Receive him. His own did not receive him, meaning that they rejected him. And we know this to be true. We know that Jesus was born a Jew, that he came to his own people, wanting them to be saved, but they rejected him as savior, as Messiah. They said no, so much so that they got the Roman government involved and, and they, they petitioned to have him crucified and killed because he, being a man, declared himself to be God. Now, they were obviously mistaken, but they rejected Jesus. But then look at verse 12. John, the gospel writer, then gives this kind of addition. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And so we find out from this verse that belief in God is not the whole picture. There's a lot of people that believe in God, but for the Christian, the one who is in Christ, as the Bible would describe, it is imperative, it is crucial, it's important that there comes a point where that belief moves to an action of receiving, okay? Belief is a recognition. It's an acknowledgement. It's to say, you are God. I see that you're God. Receiving is something different though. It's an, it's an action. What would, what would you guys say is the, the universal sign of receiving? Uh, imagine, and I want you to physically do it. If you were to go to a different country, you don't have to speak their own language, but they, you give them a gift. What would be the universal sign of, of receiving something? What do you think? Okay, Israel. Okay, so, so to receive them in the home, which means what? You'd have to open what? Yeah, you'd have to open a door and say what? Welcome, come on in. This is kind of the universal sign of like, I'm receiving you. Let me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. What would you think the universal sign, meaning that anywhere in the world of rejection, right? Which is the opposite of receiving someone. What do you think that, that would look like? You, you don't have to raise your hands. Like, just show me physically. Would it be like this? Would this be like, oh, I'm rejecting you? No, you'd be, you'd be like this, right? Everyone put your hands out. Everyone put your hands out. This would be, right, if someone's, if someone's coming, you're like, no, I don't, I don't want it, right? I don't want that broccoli. I want, I want pizza, right? And you, so you receive the pizza, whatever. No, I like broccoli. But that's a different story for a different day. But this is the idea of receiving, that to receive Jesus comes from a point that, that it, you know, uh, it moves from belief to receiving. And that's important that we understand this foundational truth because some people believe that it's enough just to believe in God. But the Bible says that there's a step further 
Because in James chapter 2, James describes that demons believe in God, but they tremble. It's the idea that, you know, think about a, a demon as a fallen angel, like Satan himself even. You know, you know Satan believes in God. He believes in God more than, than, than to some extent, more than you and I. Why? Because he's seen God, uh, right? He's been in the presence of God, different than you and I. But, but is he for God? Does he follow God's ways? Certainly, certainly not. And so this idea of receiving is the idea of, of an exchange, that we put out our hands to God saying, God, I want you in my life. And I also, I don't have closed fists. I have open, open hands. I give you my life. You see, that's what happens when you receive Jesus. It's not just you get him. It's that he gets you. It's both sided, right? That's why we talk about you are to give your life to the Lord. And I just want you to note down that this is the terminology that the Bible uses to receive him. Now, sometimes, and, and it's not wrong because it's a synonymous term, but sometimes we can talk about accepting Jesus. And while I think there, you know, we can use that, I think a better word would to be, is to be what the Bible uses. The Bible doesn't use the word accept. You will not find that word, at least in the New King James Version and the New Testament in that way to accept Jesus. But we do see the, the terminology to receive him. And I think that's what we should use. Because it's not just a signature of like, I accept, it's, it's I receive, right? It, it's a welcoming in to our life. But I want you to notice, look back at your Bibles now, look at verse six, it says to that to as many as, uh, not to as many, it says, therefore, uh, have received, and then it gives a name. Now that name is obviously Jesus, but what I want you to notice is that there is a a word after and a word before talking about Jesus. What is, the, what is the first thing before Jesus? Yeah, Christ, Christ right? And that, that is the, the term uh, Messiah or Savior. Christ is not part of Jesus's name. His name isn't Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ is his mission, which is to save. That's why I kind of like how Paul puts it here. I'm glad he says Christ Jesus. It's Savior Jesus. That's, that's really what it is. You can note that down. Savior Jesus, okay? And so as who, who are we to receive? Well, obviously Jesus, but we are to receive him as our Savior, okay? Yeah, did you have a question? Yeah, so, so the one after, you want to give it to me? Yeah, the Lord. Right? And these are two, two different things. One is his mission and one is his title. He is the Lord. And what does that mean? The, the, if someone is Lord, what are some uh, other terms that you could, you could say? Yeah. He's yeah, he's in charge for sure. Almighty. Yeah, almighty, totally. Yeah. Master, that's a great one. King of kings. Totally, right? All those things. And so we're not to only receive Jesus as Savior, but also Lord king, master, the one who calls the shots, almighty God. Now, this is oftentimes though where people kind of drop the ball. They want Jesus as savior because that means, right? That's the part where they get Jesus's life. They are, that we are saved because Jesus died for us. And so we get his life of perfection. He dies our death. It's a great exchange 
on, on, on our behalf, Savior. But sometimes where they forget is that when we receive Jesus, it must be in the fullness of who he is, not just as Savior, but as Lord. I want you to think about that for a moment. Lord, he is our king. He is our master. He's the one who gets to call the shots, right? And every person's life has a figurative throne on their life. And for the one who receives Jesus, that means they step down off their throne and then welcome Jesus on the throne. And so someone who doesn't have Jesus in their life, they are their own king. They get to choose what they do. Now, the problem with that is if you don't have Jesus on your throne, then when you meet the king of kings, you're gonna have to account for everything you've done, both good and bad. But when Jesus is on your throne, then when you meet with the king of kings, Jesus says, oh yeah, that's one of mine, right? I, I am his king, he is mine. I have died for that person. And so there ain't no one better to have on the throne of your life than King Jesus. But that means that in this life, we do not live for ourselves, right? We live for him. The Bible says that we have been bought. We are no longer our own, but this is where it becomes, right? Where we give our life to him. And so when we receive Jesus, it's both as savior and Lord. And both of those aspects are very important that we, that we understand that foundationally. Okay. Does that make sense? Do you guys understand the two? And to receive only one is not to receive Jesus because we are receiving a person and it is only in him that we have salvation and it's only in him that he can be the, the, the Lord who is able to save us. Acts 4.12, you can note it down. says, nor is there salvation in any other for there is no name, other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. He, he is the name above all names, the name of Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Now, I hope that what we just talked about in regards to receiving, that that's not something new to you. If it is, then I would encourage you, don't leave this room today without making that decision. And it is a decision that you have to make. It's not gonna naturally happen. Because your parents are Christian, it doesn't mean you have received the Lord, right? We heard a, a couple testimonies of Isaac and, and uh, Loretta up here, you know, and, and Loretta had shared even how, you know, she, she kind of grew up Catholic and, and so she, she believed in God, but she didn't know him. And then her stepdad, right, started bringing her to church and it was through that that she knew him and so she made a decision to receive him. Do you guys see, do you guys see the difference? It's the belief moving to receiving and that has to be you, to be able to become, to be a Christian. And so we wanna make sure that every one of you have made that decision because it really is life and death on the line. It's eternity speaking, okay? Make sense? Now let's go under, as Paul did, let's go from this point under the assumption that we have made that decision. So now what? what? What do we do? Well, we walk, okay? And that's what he gets into. And remember, we talked about the distinction, Okay, you might've received him, but are you walking in him? You know, sometimes maybe, you know, people in your life, people in your life that they've made that decision to receive the Lord and it seemed genuine and it seems legit, but they're not really walking with him. 
they don't really have an active, vibrant, living relationship with God. And maybe even you in this room, you say, man, I remember when I was five or six or seven or eight or nine, I received the Lord. I made that decision. I rose my hand. It seemed genuine at the time. I got baptized. But now I, I just, I don't even know if I really have a relationship with God. It might not be because you're not saved, though that could be an option. But it might just be because you're not walking in him. Remember we opened with that illustration of the car? It might be you have the car in the driveway. You got the keys. You just got to get in and turn it on and start driving. And I've seen this happen a lot within your guys' age group. That there's been that decision that's been made. It was genuine. It was real. But you haven't really followed through with that commitment. Well, my challenge and encouragement to you today is going to be to begin that walk. Look at verse 6 again. It says, as you therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what we just talked about. So walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Another way to say walk in him is to live with him. It's like, okay, you, you invited Jesus in, right? Our brother Israel had said that receiving means to, to open that door and allow to come into your home, right? You, you've done that. You've opened the door, but now it's time to like live with him. Don't, don't, act, don't live your life acting like Jesus isn't in your life. It's time to begin to live with him, to walk with him. This term walk is something that the Bible uses a lot. Maybe you can th think of any scriptures that you might know that talk about walking. Old Testament scriptures talk about how to, to walk in the ways of the Lord. Was God concerned about the way that you walk? No, not physically, but it, it means someone's life. When the Bible says we're to walk by faith, not by sight, I think Alex had um, quoted that verse earlier when, uh, during the Bible drill. Walk by faith, not by sight. Does that mean you're supposed to like walk with your eyes closed because you're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight? Of course not. It's talking about your life. And so when it says to walk in him, hey, live your life with Jesus. But it's kind of amazing to me different people that I know or meet or talk to and even life experience for myself, that it's like, okay, you know Jesus, but you're not like living with him. It's like he's, he's, your, he's your roommate, but, but there's, no, there's no life change. Like you're not really doing life with him. You, you, you know him, but it's, it's surface level only. And you see, we are to dive deep into that reality. Now, what I want you to note down somewhere on your notes is that to receive Jesus happens once. Hey, it's a one-time thing. Remember how we talked about how baptism should be a one-time thing? Um, and I'll share with you a little bit since, since we talked about it. But baptism should be a one-time thing because salvation should be a one-time thing. Baptism is only an outward display of what's happening inward. right? Baptism, the whole picture is the fact that you go under the water, that, you, that is your, your old man dying, your old person and you raise to new life in Christ, just how Jesus died for three days, and then he rose again. It's that picture where I once was lost, I once was dead in my sin, but raised from the dead, newness of life, sins are forgiven, you're a new person. And so that's only happened one time. 
And same with salvation. It can, now you can get baptized more than one time, as I'll share with you in a moment, but you can't get saved more than one time. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? Once. Meaning that the benefits that you reap, that you gain because of his sacrifice, that can only happen once. So if you receive Jesus once, you don't need to do it again. But sometimes when we hear a Bible study and we hear God's word, it's that perfect mirror. And so we feel something called the Holy Spirit conviction. We feel this this thing that we look at our life and we know it's just not right with the Lord. And so sometimes when you think, well, I just, maybe I never really was saved. I just need to get saved again. And God would say, no, you don't need to get saved again. You can't, you're mine, you're my child. You can't like become my child again. He already adopted you into the family. That's a one-time process, but you just need to start walking in him. That's the difference. It's like, okay, then get up. You feel that Holy Spirit conviction, get up and begin walking in the things that you know you ought to do. And so I'll share with you about my, bapti- my baptisms, okay? So the first one was when I was five years old, and uh, I believe this is when I really was saved. I believe even as a young child, uh, from my parents' teaching and, and different uh, children's ministry leaders, I, it was at the old church building. I've grown up here, and so this was before we were at this building. Um, and so this would have been about the year of 2000. And I remember uh, I know that sounds, makes me sound really old, but I promise I'm not that much older than you, okay? There's gonna be a time when I can't say that anymore, but for now, okay, I'm not that much older than you. But I remember in a five-year-old class, like they had said, like, who wants to receive Jesus? And I said, I'm in, and I want that. And I believe that was a genuine thing. And so I came home and I remember telling my parents, like, I wanna get baptized. And so little tiny kid, I got, I got baptized and, uh, and I believe that's the only time I really had to do that. Um, uh, and, and I would have been obedient to God. And then when I was in junior high, during my junior high years, uh, I was rebelling against my parents and against the Lord. I, I came to church. I was around because my parents forced me to, uh, but I never really, I, I didn't really have a relationship with God. It was, it, I believed in him. There's never been a point I didn't, but I didn't walk with him. That's what we're about to dive in and talk about. And so it was at a junior high camp, like we're going, actually the same one that we're going to. We had gone uh, however many years ago this was, 15 years ago. And I had got baptized because my friends were getting baptized. That time, I just got wet. That's all, that's all that happened. I got to go in the pool while others stared and, and clapped, okay? It, it wasn't, it, because it wasn't a decision on my heart, okay? Now, when I was in high school, I went to another camp, and this is where God really got a hold of my heart and showed me that the way I was living in my seventh, eighth, and ninth grade year of junior high and high school wasn't in a way that was worthy, meaning that I was not walking with him. And so at this camp, when I, after my freshman year of high school, he reminded me of the commitment I made as a five-year-old. And he showed me, hey, that you're not following through on that commitment. And so from that day forward, I decided, okay, and from that day forward, it's been about 11 years, I started walking with the Lord for real. I followed through on that commitment as I was 15 years old. Now, two years from that point, I was at another camp, okay? You got to go to camp. They're life-changing. Uh, the Lord had kind of, uh, and there was a baptism that was offered. I was like, oh, I was already baptized. Well, the fake one was in junior high. But then the real one was when I was five. Uh, but now, I'm in a, now I was almost, I think I was 17 at the time. And so the Lord had spoke to me, hey, you did that when you were five. 
but it's time to do it and, 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 and now follow through on that commitment because I had made that commitment but kind of had gone back on that during my junior high years. And, and so then uh, Pastor Shadrach in the high school then baptized me for the third time. I don't plan on getting baptized any more times, nor is it necessary. Uh, but the, the best way to do it, guys, is, is, is you receive the Lord, you walk with him, you get baptized as that outward display, and then you, you never depart from the closeness of Jesus Christ, okay? Does that make sense? And so uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, and remember, that's what I was not doing. I wasn't walking worthy. And so, uh, but we are then to walk worthy, fully pleasing him, right? We live for him. He's our king. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so the question for you today is, does your life match up to the commitment that you made? Because when you received Jesus, you got off the throne. But sometimes what can happen is that we can kind of tell Jesus, hey, scoot over a little bit. Let me get back up there. And we say, I kind of want to do my own thing. And so does your life, are you walking worthy of what you say you believe? I would think if we went around, most of you, probably because you'd be on the spot, would say that you're a Christian, you're in Christ, you've received the Lord. But think about your life, even just this last week. Are you living in a light that reflects the commitment you made? That's a question that's only between you and the Lord that you guys got to wrestle through. But at this point, okay, there's more to the verse. Verse seven, look at verse seven in your Bibles. Paul gives four kind of points of focus of, okay, so how do we walk in him? Well, we need to first, to walk in him, we need to be rooted in him. And uh, you should have that on your guided notes to be able to fill in. We got to be rooted in him. And notice there, there's two things that he says here. We're to be rooted and built up in him. And there's the and, which means there's the connection. Rooted and built. And both of these two things are word pictures. We'll focus on the rooted, then we'll talk about what it means to be built up. Okay, rooted. Uh, it is an agricultural term. You guys know what agriculture is? I think plants, okay? Plants, agriculture, agriculture. Uh, it, this word, think about the word root, okay? That's, I mean, it, it's, it's the picture, uh, word picture of how a uh, plant would have its roots go deep into the soil. And what's the purpose of those roots? Well, it's a light, right? Roots are kind of a picture of a life source. If you cut off the roots of a plant, what happens? It dies. It falls over. It has, right? Those roots make it stable, make it strong. And so... Um, without it, um, that, that there's, there's not going to be any, any fruit. Uh, there's not going to be anything beneficiary. beneficiary. It's not going to benefit us in any way. Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, and this, is, this should really bring us to the picture of John chapter 15. Jesus uses this type of illustration. He describes it as, as this picture how you and I, he says, are the branches and he is the vine. Meaning that he, with, you know, a branch without a vine is a stick. A branch connected to the vine can produce fruit. And that's the picture that Jesus says here. He says, abide in me and I in you. And the, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, 
you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so listen, to be rooted is to be connected. And if we're going to walk in the Lord, we got to be connected to the Lord. And so this word abide, you, can, you, can, you really want to focus on that because that's the instruction that Jesus gives. He says, hey, abide in me. Translation, stay connected with me. And this is the thing that takes intentionality on my part and your part as we walk with Jesus is to stay connected. You see, so much in our lives will seek to disconnect us from God. Distractions, things that are good but not God things. We can so easily go throughout a day without having any thoughts towards God. Isn't that true? Think how easy it is to live a whole day from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. You may be, oh, I, I prayed real quick at dinner. Okay, did you have any other thoughts about God throughout the day? You see, something that I want to challenge you guys to grow in is to, is to live within the presence and the awareness of the presence of God. You've heard it over and over again, God is with you. You guys ever heard that before? God is with you. God is with you, right? During Christmas time, Emmanuel, God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But how, how conscious of you are of that? When you wake up in the morning, are you, do, you, do you start talking with God right away? And I'm not just talking about praying. Now I am talking about praying, but I'm talking about an attitude of prayer, to be connected, to abide. It's to go throughout your day not just in the morning, not just at night, it's not just your devo time, it's not just when you pray for a meal, but it's this just awareness, God is with me, because listen, when you are aware of the presence of God, you begin to live different, right? It's kind of like when, when your mom and dad are around, you act a little bit different. Why? Because they're, they're, they're with you, they're watching, they'll keep you accountable, and Jesus is really good about keeping us accountable, but it's not just that, oh, he's always watching, it's that he wants to give us strength to live for him, and it's only as we are aware of our connection to him can God work in us. And so we're to stay rooted. And I really believe that every thought that we have towards God, a root grows a little bit deeper. Every time we read his word, a root in our life grows a little bit stronger. Every time we, we, we sit down and we have some intentional time of, of worship and meditation and prayer, our roots go deeper. And what is the purpose of that? Because the roots are life. Without the roots, we have no life. But the purpose is that that plant, then on the other side, right, the illustration would be that it can grow. Because the, the main thing that roots do is keep that plant stable, right? Think about an old tree. That those root, you know when the roots start to, to appear on the surface? That's, that's abnormal, right? Normally, that, that takes a lot of time. But you know that if you're seeing the roots above ground, you better believe that those roots are deep within the ground and we are to be rooted in him. Does that make sense? But also we're to be built up in him, right? There's that and, meaning that we're to be rooted and built. The rooting is for the purpose that we would be built, that our life would be built in him. This word built up, it's different than rooted. Rooted has to do with under the surface, built up has to do with above the surface. This is our lives. And like rooted is an agricultural term, 
Built up is an architectural term. You guys know what architecture is? Right? Building, construction. This word literally means to construct. And God wants our life not to be built in us, but to be built in him. And without the roots that go deep through prayer, awareness of God and his word, then our building isn't going to get very tall. But God wants our life to be built up in him. Our foundation has to be Jesus. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul kind of expounds on this type of illustration of our life as a building. And it is a good one because he uses the fact that Jesus is our foundation. Okay, if you haven't received the Lord, then you can't build a life in the Lord. And so the foundation, verse 11, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, he is that, right, Savior Jesus, the Lord. He's that foundation. But then we are to, to build upon that. And there's a lot within this scripture, but I just want you to take note of those couple verses that say built. It's the same Greek word that we have in Colossians chapter two. And it's the fact that those roots grow deep that our life might grow tall. And without the roots, there's no building. But God's purpose in your life isn't just to spend time with him, to live in his awareness, of, of, to live in awareness of his presence. But it's that God wants to work in your life and through your life. And God says that, notice verse 14 at least, if anyone's work which he has built on it, that foundation, if it's built in Jesus, it'll endure unto eternity. You see, a lot of people live good lives, but when they get to eternity, nothing, they'll have nothing to show for it. Why? Because their life wasn't built in Jesus. But they did amazing things. Yeah, but it wasn't for the Lord. It's all about motivation. It doesn't mean you, you, you have to, um, you know, it doesn't have to do with a certain career. It doesn't have to do with a certain life path. It has to do, did you do that life path with Jesus on the throne directing you or did you decide to do that? Because if you do it in him, it lasts forever. And God says that, that you will be rewarded for everything you do in Jesus. And this is awesome. You know, we're to do everything unto the Lord. Have you ever heard that before? We're to do everything to the Lord. Meaning that whatever you're doing right now, you'd be playing sports, you'd be doing school, you go on vacation. You can worship the Lord and build your life in him. And I believe even for the smallest of things, if he's your motivation, if he's your king and you do that, being rooted in him and you do it for him, then you will certainly be rewarded for that work. God always rewards that which is done for him. Thirdly, you can note down that we're to be established in him. Kind of as a result of being rooted and built up, your faith is gonna be established. When your roots go deep into Jesus and your life then is lived for Jesus, this whole faith thing is gonna be established. Not perfected, but established. The idea is it's something that's settled. I think about different companies Sometimes they'll have a tagline that says established since, and they'll have a certain year, right? Vans is, is established since, does anyone know the year? Yeah, 1966, right? It's kind of funny. We've seen the brand so many times we know. It means that they, were, they became a company in 1966. And from there on, they've grown. 
right? And we, this, the fact of our salvation should be settled. Are you saved? Then you should never question that. Just keep walking with him, keep building and let that be something that is settled. First Corinthians 1, 6 says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, that's that same word established to be confirmed. That is something, no, that this is, this is settled and a done deal. And notice in verse seven, it says, as you have been taught. And I think many of you here, because you're here on a Sunday at, almost 2.30 in the afternoon. I I would say that, and I don't know all your backgrounds, but I would say that most of you have been taught about Jesus. Whether it's from your parents, whether it's from an uncle, whether it's from leaders here in children's ministry throughout the years. But is your faith something that you could define as confirmed, established? Or in your mind, is it still something that's kind of iffy? God wants to get that established in him. And, th- and then fourthly, the result of kind of this establishment, us being rooted and built up, is going to be thankfulness in him. Uh, one of the best signs of if you are walking in the Lord is going to be your general attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness. I, can, I know when I'm not walking with the Lord is when I start to complain and grumble. But when I'm close, the closer I am to him, the more thankful I become. And the same is true for us all. As you begin to really walk with Jesus, you begin to recognize, oh my gosh, that's God. Oh, the reason that this is like that, that's the Lord. Oh, thank you. Notice this is abounding, verse seven, abounding with thankfulness. The NASB says to overflow with gratitude. It's not something that's worked up or manufactured. It's something that's produced as a result of closeness to Jesus. Listen, when you're close to him, you're thankful. And so if you find yourself just being super complainy and grumbly, you're probably not too close to him. One of the sure signs, the good tests of that spiritual uh, state of maturity is, is thankfulness. Just this general, I'm just, man, I'm so grateful to even be alive today. So grateful that, and you start, man, when you start going through it, I just find myself, as I get closer to Jesus, I start thanking him for all the small things, right? Oh my gosh, I had a closet full of clothes I could pick from today. Now to us, it becomes normal, but when you get closer to Jesus, all the normal stuff becomes recognition of his blessings in our life. You know what I mean? Share with you this, this last, so this is verse seven. This is what we've been studying but this is how the NLT version puts it. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Listen, this is what I want for each one of you today. I want, I want to see those roots grow deep into the Lord. I want to see your life built up in and for him, upon him. I want to see your faith be something that's established. I don't, I, you know, a lot of students will come up to me and sometimes question their salvation. I don't want that for any of you. It's a good thing that we need to question. The Bible says that we should examine whether we're in the faith. But once you determine, once you receive him, just keep going. And some of you don't need to give your life to the Lord again. It's already his. He's already on the throne. You just need to get back down and give him his proper place again in your life. 
Make sense? Let me pray for you guys. Father, we, we come before you. I just want to pray for, for these, these precious students and many of them saints. Uh, many of them have made that decision for you. And I pray for those that have, Lord, would you just help them to continue to walk in you, to live their life worthy of the gospel which, which, with which they have been called. Lord, for those students that maybe, maybe they've actually never received you. They know you from your word. They've been taught who you are, but they've never made a clear decision on their own. They've kind of just, they've come to church their whole life because their mom, dad gets them up in the morning and they bring them. But they've been riding maybe on the coattails of mom and dad and they're ready to make their faith their own. Lord, would you just... (laughs) Lord, would you speak to them now? Would you draw them towards yourself that they might just make a decision for you today? And as we just stay in the attitude of prayer, listen, if that's you today, if you want to receive Jesus, it's nothing complicated. There's no contract for you to sign. You just, right, that universal sign, you just welcome him into your life. You open the door. You say, you recognize, you, you say to him that you need a savior that you have sin that needs to be dealt with and you ask him to forgive you and you ask him to come into your life and you say, you say to him that you will give him your life. We get the better end of the deal for sure. We get the life of Jesus. But you just talk to him. It's, it's that simple. There's no number to call. There's no mountain to climb. Just in this moment, you talk to him and you tell him you want him in your life, and he's there. You don't have to even ask him twice. He's there right away. You draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And so Lord, we pray that you would honor the prayers of these students as those that maybe have received you for the first time or those that are just really determining to walk in your ways like never before. We pray that you would strengthen them this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.